Welcome to the Rodolfo Rivers Project. It is a podcast where my father has had a lot of good conversations all around the world. He makes podcasts and movies and a lot of other stuff. J'espère que vous allez l'aimer. This is like, it's basically my third child because yeah. I've been with it since the very beginning. Uh, I saw it, you know, become into what it is now. It was, it started as a group of friends in January of 2018 with nine, nine WTO members and now we're 76. Uh, and I am very proud of what it has become because you can see how, mem how members doesn't, don't need to be necessarily like-minded on an agenda. They just want to, you know, have a common purpose on making trade part of the solution to the climate crisis. And we have evolved into more of a uh, awareness raising a group to an initiative that now has very technical and very substantive discussions in four uh, specific thematic areas. That was Ana Laura Lizano. I am Rodolfo Rivas, and this is my podcast. Welcome to it. This is episode 70, if you're keeping track. I can't believe it has already been 70. I do this for myself, because I love doing them, but it is great to hear when people reach out to say they enjoy them. Thanks to everyone who has reached out. I really appreciate it. Ana Laura Lizano is Minister-Counselor at the Permanent Mission of Costa Rica to the WTO. She has worked in international trade for many years, including in the private sector, the government, and in diplomacy in Geneva for the last few years. This is where I met her. Although we have been in the same circles for several years, I haven't worked much with her, so I look forward to our conversation. We talked about international trade, diplomacy, the work she has been doing in the trade and environmental sustainability structure discussions at the WTO, and also about movies, which is what I want to explore further with my guests. Time flew by during our conversation, and Anna was a delight. It was an insightful and fun conversation, but don't take my word for it. Listen for yourself. The Rodolfo Rivas Project is available on all major platforms or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, X. Facebook, and LinkedIn. Please help to spread the world by recommending us to your friends, enemies, or frenemies. A small act like liking, subscribing, and or reviewing is greatly appreciated. The views, thoughts, and opinions shared in the conversation belong to the individual sharing them and do not necessarily represent the views of their employers. Musical theme by Hugo Torres. Anna, good afternoon. Uh, thank you for accepting my invitation. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you, Rodolfo. I am very, very happy to be here. And it is really like, uh, it was, I was so surprised to see your invitation. I feel super, <laughs> super important. So thank you. <laughs> I, you told me, because I, I've been wanting to ask you for a while, and you told me that you listen to, to the podcast, because not many of my guests do, but... Some do listen like I, I feel like extra conscious about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't because I love this idea. I think it's super cool. And it's so innovative that, uh, you know, a fellow delegate is doing something like this. I think you, it, you know, more of us should follow the example of being more creative and also in the sidelines of our jobs. 
Thank you very much. I I've, uh, I actually my last guest was from Colombia, who I think Colombia is the the most represented nation, but I think it's like just followed by Costa Rica. Oh, like really? I think Costa Rica might be the second now. Wow. You, maybe <laughs> maybe soon it will be the the first. Well, I th I I it's over now. 50% of the delegation that has been in your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but tell me tell me a bit about uh, how was it growing up in Costa Rica? Oh, I had a very nice childhood. Um, I come from uh, the valley, you know, from San Jose, the capital. Um, I grew up in a very urban uh, environment, uh, in a family of politics, lawyers oh, and really? politics. So yes. that's, that, that explains your interest in this or there's something else? Um, I'm not sure because I'm not a lawyer. Uh, that didn't stick. <laughs> uh, now, uh, you know, in time, I think I probably should have given it a shot. But no, I ended up uh, studying uh, trade, international trade and business. But I grew up in, in San Jose, a very nice childhood. I have a younger brother uh, who's a chef. Uh, oh, really? So very, very different career paths. And um, we are the uh, youngest children of a family of eight siblings. Okay. Um, my dad was vice president of Costa Rica from 1994 to, till 98. And uh, my mom, she has been also in, uh, in politics, n not in public, um, in cabinet, but she worked, uh, she worked all, all the time, uh, you know, since, since we were young. So I saw in her a very nice example of, you know, how you could handle both being a, a mom and being a professional. And now I'm uh, happy that, you know, she gave us that example. She's a role model for me because now that I am a parent, it is something also that I try to replicate as best as I can. And have you seen yeah. when you, because it has happened to me, that many of the things that my parents used to say, I do exactly the same things. Oh yes, <laughs> and in your teenage years you, you swear you're not going to become your parents. And then you become. And, and, and then you do. <laughs> exactly the same thing. Yeah, I do so many things that I don't realize that are exactly the same things that my parents used to do. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, and now also in, in retrospect you can see that it's not so bad as you thought in your teenage years you know like okay you're trying to do the best with what you have and uh, for us expats you know working and being away from your support network being parents is not an easy job but you know I think that we are we're, we're doing it well enough. <laughs> the, the first the first country I visited being from Mexico, the first country outside of Mexico that I visited was the U.S. But other than that, the first country that I visited was Costa Rica. Oh, really? And I, I was working with a company that was doing title insurance, uh, like uh, real estate, and their headquarters were in Costa Rica. So, like, my first real work trip was to Costa Rica. And I, I just loved it and was so impressed by Costa Rica because everyone... Everyone I met there and everyone I was working with in my in my role was like so professional and everyone like the, their English was so good. That's something that like was really striking to me. It was like whoa, like everyone speaks English here. Like uh, it was Amer it was really like I don't know. Maybe it's nothing, but to me it really was impressive. And that like San Jose, everything like it was it was so nice and so. It was great. I'm happy that you had that good impression of my country. And, and indeed, I think that we have a, um, 
a very skilled population, yeah. but our country doesn't escape, you know, the, the hurdles of being a country, you know, a, a developing country and a country that also was hit pretty badly by the pandemic. So uh, we are, you know, also trying to, to you are struggling and trying to overcome these challenges that the pandemic uh, put into the education system. You know, it was, it was difficult, but we're trying to, you know, to, to do our best and maintain that, that level that caught your attention. <laughs> and I also remember the food there. The food there ah, was the food. And your brother being a chef, I imagine that food was important to your family growing up. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Costa Rica, Gallo Pinto. Yes, <laughs> Gallo Pinto, uh, you know, tortillas, which is something that we share with Mexico. But the tortillas in Costa Rica are very different from the Mexican tortillas. Uh, but we certainly had, you know, have this, I don't know, this sense of, of love for food and uh, not for, you know, a, a small reason. There is one of the, Costa Rica has one of the blue zones in the planet where uh, people tend to uh, live for longer and in better conditions than Uh, the rest of the world and I believe it's like five blue zones that, uh, that have been identified throughout the planet and as a matter of fact my brother has focused his um, his uh, cooking skills in this blue zone uh, gastronomy if you want to call it on why what is it that they have in their nutrition that helps them age so well you know these populations So it's interesting, it's interesting that we have that and we have a very diverse gastronomy as well because yeah. we are, you know, we have a Caribbean coast and we have a Pacific coast. So food varies very much between the coasts and the valley. So it, it's very rich. And going a bit back to, I mean, you said that your family was uh, in politics, you didn't become a lawyer, but how did you become interested in trade? It was because of my mom, actually, because uh, She had a vision that I didn't have when it came to choosing a career. And I had, you know, like my teenage years were very much of, of what do I do with my life? I, w I didn't have my uh, vocation kind of clear from, from my uh, high school years. But I, my I still don't with it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I made the right choice either. But, but in any case, uh, my mom saw a future in international trade. Uh, but the career as such didn't exist in uh, Costa Rica's public university at the moment. It was only customs administration. So she had a vision, you know, like try it out and maybe it will evolve into something that you can, you know, get a taste of. And I started, you know, uh, studying customs administration, which led me very early in, in my life to start working uh, in a bonded warehouse. So I started, you know, getting a taste of the logistics mm -hmm. of international trade. That was my first uh, contact with, with international trade. And since I was working full time, I needed to, you know, my, my university didn't have flexibility in schedules. It was only, you know, in the mornings or it was very difficult. So I made a switch and focused into business administration 
with an emphasis in international trade. And that's where, you know, when I finished my, my, my career with what in, uh, in Latin American countries we know as a licenciatura, uh, the equivalent in English, I'm not sure. Is it a bachelor? It's more than a bachelor. It's closer to a master, but without being a master. So what? Yeah, I mean, it's similar to Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you study more, like, more years than you would normally get, but it, yeah, it's, you don't get the master. Yeah. But I'm really familiar with yeah. how it is. So in the end, you know, I, I started working and studying at the same time. With this, after working in the bonded warehouse, I ended up working for DHL, which was uh, 11 years working for DHL, and then I moved into the public sector uh, with uh, former DDG Gonzalez. She was uh, the Minister of Foreign Trade at the moment. I was her advisor at her office, uh, and then from uh, spending four years with DDG Gonzalez, I, former DDG Gonzalez, I'm sorry, I then uh, was promoted to Chief of Staff of the new minister. And after that, uh, for of almost a year, then uh, he prom it was a promotion to send me to, to Geneva, so here I am. It's been nine years now. Yeah, like uh, I've known you for almost all my time here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're all timers now. So, yeah, actually that, that is kind of like difficult to accept. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but also, it also offers some perspective, which I think is good because you've seen, I've, like, we've seen how things evolve, how some things remain the change, the same, but how some things evolve. And you yeah. see it with a better perspective, I think. Absolutely. And, uh, but I have to say, Rodolfo, that for me, the early years here in Geneva were a bit harder because the learning curve is, is, is really you know, steep. Um, it is complicated at the beginning, understanding, because you can know the theory. Yeah, actually, it's, not, <laughs> it's completely different to what you read in the books. It's absolutely different. You can take as many WTO courses as you want. The dynamics of working here is what really, you know, uh, embraces the essence of, of being a, a, a WTO delegate. Yeah, and that you only learn by doing. And, and actually, <laughs> because when, when I started, I actually remember thinking that I knew what I was doing. But like looking back, I didn't know what I was doing, even though I, I assumed that I knew. I don't know if you had the same experience. Uh, actually, I think I, I came here feeling and being very junior because I had never been, you know, to, to a, a WTO meeting room. I didn't know what I had to do. And uh, we were in the midst also of changing ambassadors. It was like, okay, you, you have to, you know, do this and that and then start, you know, kind of learning from interactions, creating relationships on what this is about, but uh, definitely there, this is not something they teach you in the books. We should write a book about the dynamics yeah, actually, of the WTO. I do, I do teach a class of international economic law and I try, I don't know if I succeed, but <laughs> what I try is to show them a bit about my, the experience of actually being a delegate, which goes beyond whatever they can learn. Yeah. Hopefully for them to get a taste and if that's something that interests them so that it can guide them to 
perhaps pursue it later. Yeah. But my idea is to make it more practical and to understand it. Because I remember my first meeting was a TBT meeting. Like I just started, like my first week, like go to a TBT meeting. And I, I they just like, were talking about all the uh, specific trade concerns. And they kept going and kept going. And it went on for like three days. And I kept writing everything because I didn't understand what was going on. And I'm like... Every oh, single... Every single word. Concern. <laughs> yeah, and everything. I'm like... What did they say? Like, what did they say when I said? What did they say? It was crazy. Uh, but I was like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. And then I realized that actually some of the concerns they're repeated. They're like, you can check the the minutes and you, like some yeah. of the things that actually some I, you can know what they're gonna say because it's the same thing that they said last time. Yeah, exactly. Anticipate a yeah. bit. Yeah. But also again, you know, building those relationships with with other delegates is what you know, is, is the foundation yeah. for, what, for your work. That can also lead you to be a better advisor to your, uh, you know, to, to your bosses and also, you know, start, uh, bec you know, being uh, someone delegates can trust in, in terms of, you know, what's your opinion on this? How should we address the, the, this other thing? So, yeah, building the relationships, I think, is very important. So there's two things that I want to ask you about this week. I will already talked to Tayutik and to Jaime, but Costa Rica is a small delegation, but you seem to be everywhere and active on many fronts. How do you do that? Well, it's good that we give that impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that as a small delegation, we have to prioritize. Uh, we cannot cover absolutely everything, but we try to do our, our best. And I, what I think that has been a, um, maybe our success uh, ingredient or recipe, if you want to call it in, uh, success, <laughs> is that uh, we have been able to get very specialized in what we cover. So I think that It gives us, you know, like a, a, a broader range of uh, range of action. You know, so, you know, it's. Uh, I think it has to do also with the trust that our ambassadors have, you know, given given us on how uh, prepared we can become uh, to to do a good job. But definitely, uh, I think that if we are. <laughs> Uh, everywhere is because we have also each other's back. We are a good team. I think that we are uh, actually an excellent team because we we work as one. You know, when one of us is you know lagging behind a bit, the other one pulls pulls them over, and you know, okay, let's keep going, let's keep going, and. Um, Yeah, it has to do with with uh, support, uh, trust, mentorship, and uh, yeah, being team players. Thank you. Uh, I mean, that's I think something that we can all learn because it is it is difficult to navigate so many things, and it's also difficult to know everything about trade. You can't, so you have to you have to stick to what you know and become. Uh, and learn as much as you can from the area that you actually... Exactly. I think that it has to do with, with what I just said, you know, like uh, 
we are very specialized in, well, you're never very specialized, but we are specialized maybe in our areas. But in those areas that we have no, or we lack knowledge of, you know, we can ask our, you know, our colleague at the mission, can you give me a hand here? Can you step in? Can you, you know, that is what I think has made us a very solid team. And the other thing that I wanted to ask you is about uh, the work that you're doing regarding environment, which is something that I think uh, I think I was there at the Canadian mission with one of your previous ambassadors when this was launched. It was like many years ago. Mm -hmm. 2018. <laughs> yeah, 2018. It seems like a different life. <laughs> Amazing, right? Yeah, and uh, it has evolved a lot and you've been involved like really uh, hands-on on this. Can you talk a bit about this? Yes, actually, uh, this is about the trade and environmental sustainability structure discussions, and uh, we uh, call it TESD or TESZ. Uh, I think it depends on, on the nationality of who, <laughs> who says it. Um, this is like, it's basically my third child because yeah. I've been with it since the very beginning. Uh, I saw it, you know, become into what it is now. It was, it started as a group of friends in January of 2018 with nine, nine WTO members and now we're 76. Uh, and I am very proud of what it has become because you can see how, mem how members doesn't, don't need to be necessarily like-minded on an agenda. They just want to, you know, have a common purpose on making trade part of the solution to the climate crisis. And we have evolved into more of a uh, awareness raising uh, group to an initiative that now has very technical and very substantive discussions in four uh, specific thematic areas with the uh, excellent participation and collaboration of facilitators also with the support of the Secretariat, which has been absolutely amazing at what they, they, have, they do. And in a very innovative way, we incorporated uh, the participation of stakeholders in our discussions. So this is very new to the WTO. It, is, uh, it has been uh, an example of reform by doing, and they have been fundamental in advancing these discussions to where they are now. Uh, maybe just as a, as a, you know, I don't want to extend myself too much on this, but just to to remind, you know, remind you and who, whoever <laughs> listens to this, <laughs> is that we are not a negotiating group uh, and we are just trying to provide instruments or, or solutions to the multilateral setting. We do not tend to replace or, or become a, an alternative to the multilateral setting. We, our win is to move everything as soon as the members want to into the multilateral setting. That would be a, a success for us. Yes, and I think that it's, it's trying these new approaches, which also, for example, we're seeing in other areas like disputes, we're trying a different approach. So it's trying different things to see if they work. Exactly, exactly. And so far it has. So I'm looking forward to the next year. 
And I, I like how you put it that it's your third child, because the, the podcast is my third child. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah you, you grow very fond of this uh, third child. I'm very protective of it. <laughs> I give my child alone. <laughs> so, well, now there, uh, maybe we can go to the section that I was really looking for. Uh, yes. It was really interesting to hear your perspective, and uh, I... I now want to move to the second part, which is a special kind of thing. We've done two episodes like that in the past, and this will be the third, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your list of 10 influential movies and how they influenced you. I, I haven't, I don't know what they are, so yeah, I'll just I'm going to surprise it. you. <laughs> and so, actually, me. it got me thinking, because when you sent me the invitation, I was struck by the term influential and well i didn't want to say <laughs> the 10 best movies because that can be oh no yeah, of course it and can be a movie that is actually maybe you don't think it's good but it's still i try to play around the influential uh, concept <laughs> because at first when i said when i saw uh, influential movies i was like okay a movie that has influenced me that it's not in the list but that you as a Latin American and especially Mexican will probably know and understand is Marcelino Panivino. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. was a movie that influenced me and terribly. Because after that, you know, after seeing that movie, I was scared of crucifixes. I, ha- <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, actually. And I don't want to be, you know, incorrect or anything it's in in the sense you have to watch this movie for those who have no idea what i'm talking about it was very scary and it shouldn't be but it, it's a 1940s movie yes. or something so it was pretty it's, scary it was one of those movies that was playing on public tv like all the time like you yeah. would turn on the tv and it was there by the way when i traveled to costa rica everyone there like told me about like mexican TV characters, because I yeah. guess that's what you see. Actually, in my, my initial thought was Marcelino Panivino. The um, Easter week movies, you know, yeah. all the old ones, the classic ones. And uh, the, third, the third one was, um, oh my God, I just Chespirito. forgot. No, the can- <laughs> Cantinflas. Yeah, Cantinflas. <laughs> Yeah. But then I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about movies that people know. <laughs> <laughs> Cantinflas, many know. Yeah, I know. I love Cantinflas. Okay, so tell me. Okay, so first. In, first in my list is The Sound of Music. Yeah. I okay. think that's a classic and I, I watched it uh, this uh, Christmas because it's like the movie that I, I uh, refer to when it comes to, you know, Christmas and a like homey kind of feeling. Um, and it always makes me feel the same, you know. And it is like, uh, it, it has like some extraordinary photography and music. It True. is like, it is like a, a feel-good movie. Yes, absolutely. And I've seen it so much, you know, like probably every year that, you know, you end, you end up knowing the songs by heart. And I am not a, a fan of musicals. Yeah, you're not? I'm not. I'm not. Um, but this is the one that I truly love. And I think that it is, it, it is really good to watch it with your family and your loved yeah, ones. Yeah. Experience I it together. I don't think my kids are ready to see it because they're five and three, but eventually yeah. they will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. That's <laughs> a really good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Second one, and it comes a bit, you know, 
in a tie with number three. Is ah, so you ranked them. Oh, yeah, so I, I haven't. I mine, when I did mine, I didn't rank them because that maybe would have been I, I, Well, Rodolfo, I do lists of <laughs> everything. So, I'm, you know, in this, I'm very methodic and so, I made so my list. So the first one is the most? No. Or it's uh, like... I, I the made them in chronological order. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of my chronological age, that's like the first one that I felt was very influential. And who, who was the one who introduced you to that movie? In Costa Rica, back in, in the 80s, and now I'm revealing my age, <laughs> <laughs> um, there wasn't, you know, too much parent, parental control in terms of TV. So yeah, that is why I was telling you about the, the Holy Week movies. Those are movies that a kid shouldn't watch, you know, basically. Uh, but since, you know, The Sound of Music was one of those movies that uh, they passed all the time. Uh, it was, I just, you know, caught it once and I just loved it. Okay. Um, then second and third come pretty much uh, in a tie. And it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but the Gene Wilder yeah, the version. Yeah. Um, that movie, at home we love uh, Willy Wonka, uh -huh. but at home the one that's more popular is uh, Tim Burton Johnny Depp version, yeah. even though we've watched the other one. Yeah. And originally I liked more the Gene Wilder one, because mm -hmm. I think it's uh, the classic one. Yep. But now I've grown to love the, the Johnny Depp. And really? I, we, watched the, we watched it like every other month, and oh, I, really? I know it by heart. Have you watched the new one? Yeah, and I loved it. Really? I haven't. I have to, I have to see it because I love Timothy Chalamet, the actor. Yeah. I think he's an amazing actor. And this will... I, I'll ha I have something to say about uh, this actor at the, by the end of my list. <laughs> but what I was going to say is that the interpretation of the character of Willy Wonka is... Well, I guess that he's supposed to be younger. So he's much sweeter and much uh -huh. like innocent. Yeah. Which he's totally not in... In the later no, iteration. yeah, less, yeah, supposed to be less tortured, I yeah, guess, yeah. yeah. But he, I even find him a bit, like, a bit of malicious, a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was not that when he was growing up. But I, I guess that's all, like all, like every human. <laughs> but that's what Gene Wilder's interpretation brings to the story because the reason I put it in number two is because um, when I was in in a, a primary school. I went to a bilingual school and they, in English literature, they sent us, you know, like a book to read and then we could watch the movie. Um, and this is what happened with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, that I read the book and after I was able to see the movie and that is where, you know, it connected. It, it connected and it's something that Gene Wilder brought to the character, definitely. It's, you know, it's not the same if you see, if you compare with, you know, different directors or interpretations in terms of movies, exactly. So. But you were saying that you don't like music, and like, I think that one of the the song that Gene Wilder sings, uh, it is a classic. Yeah, it's yeah. true, it's true. But maybe I'm, I'm referring to more modern musicals, yeah. perhaps? Yeah, I don't know, I'm not a fan of, you know, like Mamma Mia, you know, that kind of movie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, not my number three, is The Secret Garden. I don't know if you've yes. ever seen it. The 1993 version, because I also read the book at school. And I really, really liked that movie. I think it was like so sweet in the end, you know, of 
a family coming together and, you know, uh, all the loss and uh, then, you know, tendership at, at some point in the end uh, when, uh, what was it, the count or I don't know what his title was, comes back and, uh, you know, brings the girl to the family like okay you're part of this family so it, it was a very nice movie for me and i remember it very fondly and how this is interesting that you said that at least two movies were movies that you read the book first how was uh, the experience of reading the book and maybe seeing some of the changes that they did to make it a movie was that like something that you were like oh why did they do this well i think it was like a very formative experience because to be able to read a book that for someone in in primary school probably was maybe even too long to read you know or complex and to be able to compare I think it also gave me that uh, element of criticism to a movie I'm not calling myself a critic at all I don't, I can barely name, you know, actors, but, um, but now I think I, it's, it's very re uh, rejoicing when you can read a book and see a movie and you can say, no, the book is better, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, and, and it is good to, I mean, they're different, they're inspired, like it's an adaptation, but it's, it's a different medium and it's a different uh, yeah, thing. You yeah. can live parallelly. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so maybe chronologically, these were my infant years. Then it comes, you know, my early teenage yeah. years. <laughs> and you're going to laugh at this, but <laughs> the one, you know, the following one is Dirty Dancing. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, here it comes the section of, of movies, you know, of coming of age kind yes. of movies. So... I mean, that's a classic, a classic movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie that actually... It, I haven't watched it in a while, so I don't know if it has aged well. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while either. Yeah, you're, you're tr that's right. But uh, I do remember, you know, like feeling even embarrassed to put the movie with my parents around because of the dance moves. Because at, at that time, you know, early 90s, uh, me, you know, being a, a young teenager, you felt like... <gasps> No, that's just too, too, you know, they're going too far with those dance moves. I mean, it, reggaeton didn't exist. Yeah, there was <laughs> so. like the reggaeton before reggaeton. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a fun movie. But, again, it's another movie that where it's not a, it wouldn't classify as a musical. But no, but music, the soundtrack. The, the soundtrack is very, it's part of the movie. Absolutely. It, I think that the soundtrack is what made the movie in the end, it, because... You still listen to those songs in the radio and you cannot, you know, avoid just pumping up the volume. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like, an amazing it's a, soundtrack. It's a, and actually when you, when you add music, music brings you back. And like when you listen to yeah. those songs, it, like to me it brings me back like when I was a teenager. And, uh, That's something that this movie has. I, I, I completely agree. They la later they made a sequel with a, a Mexican actor, with Diego Luna. Ah, yeah. a, I don't it, think it, it's very good. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Havana Nights. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's not that good. <laughs> but Diego Luna is a great actor, though. <laughs> um, then my following, I'm not sure if you've seen this. Well, I'm not sure how much of a movie, you know, 
geek you are but I love movies okay and that's why actually I want to do this because I love movies then you've seen this Terms of Endearment yes. with Shirley MacLaine and yeah. Jack Nicholson well that's that's yeah I mean you, you watch <laughs> this when you were a teenager yeah <laughs> <laughs> and because also you know in, in you know teenage years you're very sappy and you uh, love you know watching or the heartthrob, or just crying because you got a broken heart or something. So those teenage years are filled with, you know, sappy, heartthrob, rom-com uh, kind of... Um, what did you think of this movie when I you love it. it? I love it. I love it. Every time I see it, and I cry so much every time I see it. I'm, I also, well, for those who don't know me, uh, I am a crier, you know, I cry <laughs> even in, at WTO meetings. So. <laughs> but, really? I yeah. haven't seen <laughs> But when, when there's like a sad or a drama or a romantic, even a rom-com, you know, there's like something that will get me crying. This is one of those movies. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but what a great movie it is. And the, the relationship between mother, mom and daughter Oh my God! And the heartbreak, and Jack Nicholson, who makes very brief appearances, yeah, but yeah, yeah. A, a great acting there. Um, so yeah, this is a movie I haven't seen in a while, but wow, I love it. This is a great movie for me. Actually, I haven't seen it like in 30 years, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do remember it. Yeah, it's a sad one. It came out kind of at the same time as Steel Magnolias, and yeah, that, actually yeah. it was like a, during a period in Hollywood that. Was these kind of movies were really popular? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and unfortunately, now we don't have that. No, yeah. no, it's changed a lot. Um, so yeah, now you're gonna laugh. At well, I guess you're, you're making like a great list. I want to revisit all of them. Now <laughs> this one, please, you can shut off the the uh, the podcast and we can <laughs> retape. <laughs> Which one? National Lampoon's Vacation. The first one. Yep. I love Chevy Chase. Yeah. I love Chevy Chase and I know that he has lately received like backlash on, I don't know, something, his attitude or something. But National Lampoon's Vacation and National Lampoon's Christmas. Christmas vacation. Oh my God. I actually, I, I, I told my family, we're going to watch it in Christmas. <laughs> Not this Christmas, but I think last year. I don't think they liked it as much. But, but because I... I I kept telling her, look, 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 like I was like pointing at the things and maybe I ruined the experience, <laughs> but I love it also. Oh no, he cracks yeah. me up. I mean, I really, really love Chevy Chase and National Lampoon's is a classic. And I think that when this one, when this came out, he was at the top of his game. He was like the, he was the star. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the Three Amigos with yeah. Martin Short and Steve yeah, Martin? Also. Yeah, I mean, he's great. I, yeah. And I, I think that he, in this movie, well, he's great in many movies, but in this one, I think that's the character that he, he was born to play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love those. And, and whenever, I, whenever I take a, a family a vacation, like <laughs> all of the adventures that they have throughout the movies, like they're always in the background of my... Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, in, in some way, He's so relatable because it can happen to, <laughs> I mean, to anyone. We we watch. Well, I tried to play to put uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation this uh, holiday, this past holidays. I ended up being the only one watching it because 
yeah, my husband, he just fell asleep. He was, and I'm like, this is so fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but why don't you like it? And yeah, I mean, I was exactly, I was telling her, like, look, look, this part you're going to love. And I, I kept pointing <laughs> to things and they were like, oh my God, just let us watch the movie. So next time I won't say anything. Yeah. No, but I think they were also maybe too young. Maybe they, that's why they didn't appreciate it. <laughs> and it was something that I realized is that some of the jokes and things, I don't know, like they... Like they wouldn't be accepted today. Yeah, they wouldn't, uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's the thing that, you know, the, those 80s and 90s movies had their time, you know, and they don't make that kind of comedy anymore yeah. because, I mean, of course, you know, the woke, you know, have to be woke and it, it, I understand that. But, well, yeah, we, we said we weren't, we were going to talk about movies, but there is, you know, the, as one of my favorite series is The Office, and it has that sense of humor that you say, oh my God, no, you shouldn't, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's even not that old, but so, yeah, yeah exactly. I think about like the 80s and 90s are, yeah. They go too far. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, now here comes my, yeah, my, my. Uh, another phase uh, chronologically. So that's what, like uh, early adulthood, <laughs> or what? Um, you know, that's when you were uh, starting college. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have Legends of the Fall, of oh, course. Oh my God! Yeah. Of course, Tristan Ludlow. <laughs> How could you forget Brad Pitt's iconic interpretation of Tristan Ludlow? Um, and this is a movie I can watch, you know, binge watch. It, I, I watch it all the time if I can. Yeah, it had like it was filled with this romanticism of a bygone era that uh, just seemed like so. I don't know, like so ethereal. Yeah, and it came out on you know very close to another Brad Pitt movie, which is called A River Runs Through It. Yeah. That was directed with uh huh and with Robert Redford. Which I also think it was amazing. It was a great, great movie, and also. I'm, I, and it was like the beginning of his career. I think he had been with Thelma and Louise, and. Um, uh, yeah, a little after that. Yeah. Uh, 90 this one. Through 93. Thelma and Louise is around 92. Yeah. 92, 93. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but this movie, I think there was, Legends uh, of the Fall was the movie that like really like. Oh put yeah. Him on that trajectory. Because after this one, I think he. I think it was seven or something like that that came yeah, out. 1994. Yeah, yeah, which I think he was even nominated for for an Academy Award. So, so yeah, I was till a point a, a huge fan of Brad Pitt because I was in love with him. <laughs> but then you know after you know after growing up and maturing, I started seeing how, that he is a great actor. I think he is. I, I think he because of the fact that he. He's like so good looking like that, <laughs> that people don't re give him the credit that he deserves. That is true. That is true. But he, he's a great actor that he immerses himself in the role and he always like plays interesting characters. Yep. Yep. That is true. Um, then next on my list, Reality Bites. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Do you also, remember that? I bought the soundtrack to that and I kept playing Reality Bites soundtrack like talking about My music. Sharona. Yeah. <laughs> And now that that uh, that soundtrack, I I love the movie, but I think I love the soundtrack of that movie even more it, than the yeah. movie, even though I love the movie. But also, it was like an a reflection of 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 a period in well 
in maybe, I don't know how, if we're the same age, but at <laughs> least in, in my generation, it was a reflection very much because we in Costa Rica had a lot of influence uh, from the United States. Of course, in Mexico, Mexico, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we dressed the same. We tried to, you know, uh, emulate somehow uh, or interact similarly. I don't know. So it was like a... a, a I'm not going to say it was a great movie, but... I think it's a great movie, but like I think that it also... Because I watched it just a few years before I actually was the age of the characters that they were uh -huh. playing. But it informed a lot of what I expected life to be when I was at that age. Yeah. I'm like, ah, so like in a couple of years I'm going to be like those <laughs> characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's part of the influence that somehow you receive and then you you know, realize it's not going to be like that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So till here, I mean, yeah. this is kind <laughs> of a, till college, then comes a bit more of a, of my uh, working years. And this is when, you know, I started trying to see like, what is this movie everybody's talking about? So here I have the Godfather one and two. Ah, so you went back. You're like, okay, why, went, why everyone keeps talking about yeah. it? Yeah, I would have, you know, listed others, but I had to, you know, keep my list, try to keep it as streamlined as possible. But here, The Godfather 1 and 2. And, and did they live to the expectation? Yeah, that actually, I binge watched 1, 2, and 3. And after that, I stayed with 1 and 2. And those I can watch, rewatch, you know, as many times. But no, the third one, I didn't the, like. The third one does seem like... Uh, I mean, the, the one and two, The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two, they do seem like, even though they were not like one story, they no. do seem like they fit together. Yeah. The third one seems like, I still like it, but it does seem like something different. No, exactly. I, it feels like Coppola tried too hard, you know, to finish the story and, you know, the, the filmmaking and it, it, it feels detached from the other two. Um, I, I think it has been unfairly criticized but I, I see I see your comment it does seem like a bit it doesn't seem like it's it seems a bit disconnected from the first two even though I yeah. think that it's a good movie within its own right but I think that you also I mean the acting in the first two are kind of more I don't know they come together they're, they're more um, balanced but in on the in the third part you see, Sofia Coppola's acting is really bad. Yeah, but I love Sofia. <laughs> as, a, as a director. <laughs> but I do think, I mean, I, I don't know what, I, I think I remember reading something why he picked her. I think that, I think Winona Ryder was actually going to play that role yeah, and I read she that couldn't. Too. And then he was like, okay, so I guess my daughter can do it. Uh, he was criticized really badly. I don't think she does a, as bad as a job as people say she does. But maybe I'm also not objective because I love Sophie. <laughs> and I think that, yeah, maybe she's the weakest part of the movie, but I think that overall the movie is good and it is the saga of a family. True. At, and it's the saga of the family and also the saga of the United States, I think, which is what he was trying to, yeah, to do. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, this... this uh, from The Godfather, this the first two. Then I had to put in The Shining. Yeah. The Shining. The, the, the Kubrick. Kubrick movie. Yeah, the Kubrick. 
Um, and this you also watch because everyone was saying like, oh, I, yeah, I, everybody, you know, like, yeah, the shining here and there. And I'm like, I have to watch this because eh, I need to, I, yeah, I need to understand, you know, I need to be part of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I really loved it, you know, loved it in the sense that I find it's a fantastic movie. I cannot call it a horror movie. It's not a horror I movie. I don't think it's a horror movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a movie that it just leaves a, an imprint in you, you know, after, after seeing that movie, there are a lot of different elements that uh, bring you back. You know, the other day I was... Uh, talking to, to my child and for some reason he starts, you know, moving his finger, you know, like the, the, I can't remember the boy's name in the movie, but you know, like when he spoke th through his finger, like, don't do that, please don't do that, you know, like, uh, but also it's, it's a, a complicated story of domestic violence and it's, it's difficult. And I've, I've read, you know, so much after, you know, what it was a, filming that movie the effects it had on on the actors the actress you know that she was completely you know uh, well yeah the whole story of uh, kubrick doing this to the actors exactly yeah. so yeah. wow uh, story uh, you know movies that have you know like story behind it, it i find it very interesting um and this you know for sure left me freaked out, you know. Kubrick is one of my favorite filmmakers and Stephen King, the writer of mm -hmm. the book, is one of my favorite authors. He didn't like the movie. Uh, yeah, he didn't no. like the adaptation. But I think that was more of an ego thing. Probably, I don't know. yeah. But uh, I do think that it, I re I've read the book and I, they are talking, at, as we were talking earlier, there are different interpretations of, they take the same story but different interpretations. And, uh, but both are good, and I think uh, the movie, like you said, is not really a horror movie, but it does stay with you. Yeah, yeah, it does. Forever. And there's a sequel recently. I don't oh, really? Know, it, with the boy, like, grown up. It's called Doctor Sleep, which is based on the sequel book, the sequel novel <gasps> that Stephen I didn't King know wrote. that. It's also very good. Okay. It's by this director... Mike Flanagan, who has uh, adapted many of the short of the stories of Stephen King, I okay. think he's the the best director to adapt his stories. So maybe huh. you can. Like, I'll look it up. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I have a, a couple extra. You know, if so I. So that have... was ten already. Yeah, that was okay. ten. So yeah, uh, great list. I love the list. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a, a melange of, <laughs> of things. Because I didn't include a lot of comedies. I love comedies. Um, also, after a period in my life, I decided I just wanted to laugh when I went to the movies. Stop crying. Stop the we drama. Have, like, no more drama. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just laugh and enjoy. And don't look, you know, too much into things. Uh, so, you know, I have the... I love also superhero movies. Yeah, the Marvel too. and DC Comics. I can binge watch those. I love those. I love it. Actually, well, I mean, I, when I was growing up, I used to read comics and I love them. And I would have, I would have given anything to have those movies come out when I was reading the comic books. But that was not happening when I was reading them. Uh, it only when I became an adult and <laughs> yeah, so they're great. But I, I wish it would have been there when I was growing up. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, but then there's one that this one truly, you know, came out, I think it was close to the year when I was having a boss just like the one in the movie, which is The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> <laughs> I was very funny because I had a boss at the time uh, who was as, you know, a... I don't know, a particular, particular <laughs> special as Miranda Priestly from The Devil Wears Prada. And, and you were Anne Hathaway, the but, Anne Hathaway character, Anne Hathaway, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. you were her. Yes, I was the assistant, <laughs> exactly. And this, this, um, it was, I wasn't in public office, so I'm safe here. <laughs> but uh, this uh, former boss I had, he was in, I don't know, abroad and he called me up uh, during the weekend and he insisted that he had to come back to Costa Rica um, because, I don't know, his flight uh, was canceled by some reason. I think it was like a climate-related kind of thing, you know, like in the movie. And um, he was like, you need to get me out of this, you know, bleep country uh, <laughs> because I need to be back in, in San Jose. For, I'm like, what do I do? I mean, if I don't get this man back to Costa Rica in, you know, on time, he's gonna fire me. And I started, you know, like asking myself in my head, you know, like who, who could rent a helicopter? Who could rent, <laughs> you know, a small plane? Who has private planes? And in Costa Rica, you know, that's not, well, now it's different, but back, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. So, uh, it was, you know, like a horrible weekend. I'm, I was pretty sure he was going to fire me. <laughs> uh, that didn't happen, but he was really mad. He really, really mad. <laughs> I love this movie. And actually, I watched it like maybe a few months ago with my daughter. And she also loved it. And uh, it is amazing how it transcends generations. Like, I love it now. She loves it. <laughs> Maybe she'll show it to her kids. <laughs> no, it's a very entertaining movie. And it's really funny. And, and the like, fashion, I love the fashion, the fashion in the movie. So, yeah, it's very funny. And it also has, like, life lessons and things like that. Yeah. How, how her life, like, seemed perfect and it wasn't. And Exactly. And, and how you wish something is a certain way and then actually it's not. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, yeah, in terms of my list... You know, the other, the, probably the last one. I'll leave it here. <laughs> Braveheart. Yeah. And this is a movie that I loved before, but then after I met my husband and he told me that it was his favorite movie. It bond like... Ah, uh, it, it, yeah. And we made a, a trip to Scotland um, and we went to, uh, you know, kind of referenced uh, places. If in the movie and you know I like like um, another movie that I love is King Arthur but it's Richard Gere no no I know I don't like Richard Gere I know that's another one that's um, Lancelot that's oh, a new one the King Arthur is a new one King Arthur no but there's uh, who, who's the lead actor I am oh my god I forgot the name the guy who's in the TV show no oh my god now I forgot the name well, we'll put it in the comments. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, those kind of historical kind of, not necessarily accurate, but, you know, that have some historical element. I, I like those too. Yeah, William Wallace was, um, that movie was also very big when it came out. Yeah. And very influential. 
Yeah. And also Mel Gibson, he was a great star, unfortunately, not so much now. No, exactly. <laughs> like Chevy Chase. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, it was a great list. I love it. Thank you, Anna, for sharing. Now we come to the last part of the podcast. Okay. Where I ask you like some quick questions and you give me your reaction. Okay. Oh my <laughs> God, I wasn't prepared for that. No, you didn't know? <laughs> okay. So then it's even better. So I'm going to ask you a question and you just tell me what comes to your mind. Okay. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Oh gosh. Uh, is this on a timer? No. <laughs> <laughs> the best of advice I've ever gotten is uh, do things right from the beginning or or not, or you, this is an advice given by my mom. Things are done right from the beginning. And this is a message to not procrastinate. Yeah. Yeah. Good. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Baking. I would like, I would love to be a baker or a, a hairdresser. Hairdresser? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's something you wish you had known 20 years ago? Oof that uh, you need to adapt constantly to change, uh, that things aren't fixed or that you cannot live, you know, in a square. You have to adapt and change. What's the best advice you've ever given? Don't give advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Pineapple in pizza? Yes, absolutely, my favorite. Yeah, I also love mixing flavors. <laughs> <laughs> drama or comedy? Comedy. I'm done with the drama in my yeah, yeah in life. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your favorite artist of all time? Uh, music or movies or hmm, my favorite artist of all time. Mm, it's gonna be very cheesy, but I'm gonna stick to Brad Pitt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. And he's going to be in Tarantino's last movie. So yes. I can't wait for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, not so much advice, but if you could recommend one thing that you enjoy, what is it? Oof. Something that I enjoy. Peace. Time for, you know, time, time uh, to be, you know, at peace. And the last one, how would you like to be remembered? <laughs> I would like to be remembered as someone who has tried to be kind, to be, you know, honest, but, you know, flawed, and that I've tried, you know, to do my best. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember you like that. <laughs> Thank and it you. has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for accepting my invitation and sharing your bit about you. Oh, no, absolutely, Rodolfo. I cannot explain how, I mean, what a great time I've had. Uh, thank you for this initiative. Thank you for this project. You are really making a change because you are bringing, you know, new new stuff to the table and helping also you know uh, 
helping us step a bit aside from this professional craziness into, you know, uh, getting to know each other differently and maybe people can get to know us differently as well. So, appreciate it. Thank you for those kind words. I, I don't even know what to say. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. This was the World Alpha Rivas Project. I hope you loved it. Can you dig it?